Go ahead. My name is Dory, and I am age nine. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he died on the cross and saved us from our sins. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Hello, and welcome to the Jesus is Better podcast. During the last episode, we learned that David's son started making mistakes that looked a lot like his. One of his sons treated a woman the same way that he treated Bathsheba, and his other son, Absalom, ended up murdering his own brother, just like David had Uriah killed. David finally forgave Absalom for killing his brother, but Absalom seems like he never forgave his father and begins conspiring to take the throne away from David. During this story, we see how God continues to take care of David, even though it seems like he is unable of being the courageous kind of king that God wants him to be. Let's read. A messenger came and spoke to David, and he told him, The hearts of the Israelites are turned toward Absalom. Then David spoke to all of his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, and he said, Come on, we have to leave right away. If we don't, none of us will escape from Absalom. He'll move quickly in and catch up with us, and he'll destroy us. His men will kill everyone in this city with their swords. The king's officials answered him, You are our king and master. We're ready to do anything that you want. So the king started out. Everyone in his whole family went with him. All the people in the countryside wept aloud as David and all of his followers passed by. The king went across the Kidron Valley. He and all the people with him moved on towards the desert. Zadok also went with him. Some of the Levites went with him. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the ark, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until all the people had left the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the ark back into the city. If the Lord is pleased with me, he'll bring me back. He'll let me see the ark again. He'll also let me see Jerusalem again. That's the place where he lives. But suppose he says, I am not pleased with you. Then I accept that. Let him do to me what he thinks is best. The king said again to Zadok the priest, Do you understand? Go back to the city with my blessing, and take your son with you. Also take Abiathar and his son Jonathan with you. I'll wait at the place in the desert where we can go across the Jordan River. I'll wait there until you send word to let me know what is happening. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to Jerusalem, and they stayed there. But David went up on the Mount of Olives. He was weeping as he went. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too, and they were weeping as they went up. David had been told, Ahithophel, along with Absalom, is one of the people making secret plans against you. So David prayed, Lord, make Ahithophel's advice look foolish. David arrived at the top of the Mount of Olives, and that's where people used to worship God. Hushai, the archite, was there to meet him. His robe was torn, and there was dust on his head. David said to him, If you go with me, you will be too much trouble for me. So return to the city. Say to Absalom, 
Your Majesty, I'll be your servant. In the past, I was your father's servant, but now I'll be your servant. If you do that, you can help me by making sure Ahithophel's advice fails. The priests will be there with you. Tell them everything that you hear in the king's palace. They have their sons, Ahamaz and Jonathan, there with them. Send them to me and tell me everything that you hear. So David's trusted Finn, Hushai, went to Jerusalem. He arrived just as Absalom was entering the city. King David approached Bahurim. As he did, a man came out toward him. The man was from the same family group that Saul was from. His name was Shimei. As he came out of the town, he cursed David, and he threw stones at David and all of his officials. He did it even though the troops and the special guard were there. They were to the right and left of David. As Shimei cursed, he said, Get out! Get out, you murderer! You are a worthless man, an evil. You spilled the blood of a lot of people in Saul's family. You took over his kingdom, and now the Lord is paying you back. He has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have been destroyed because you are a murderer. Then Abishai spoke to the king. He said, King David, why should we let this dead dog curse you? Let me go over there and I'll cut off his head. But the king said, You and Joab are sons of Zeruiah. What does this have to do with you? Maybe the Lord said to him, Curse David. If he did, who can ask him, Why are you doing this? The king and all the people with him came to the place where they had planned to go, and they were very tired. So David rested there near Baharim. During that time, Absalom and all of his men came to Jerusalem. Ahithophel was with them. And then Hishai, David's friend, went to Absalom and he said, May the king live a long time. May the king live a long time. Hushai was David's trusted friend. Absalom said to Hushai, So this is the way you show love to your friend? If he's your friend, why didn't you go with him? Hushai said to Absalom, Why should I? You're the one the Lord has chosen. These people and all the men of Israel have also chosen you. I want to be on your side. I want to stay with you. After all, who else should I serve? Shouldn't I serve the king's son? I will serve you just as I served your father. In those days, advice from Ahithophel was as good as advice from someone who asked God for guidance. That's what David and Absalom thought about all of Ahithophel's advice. Then Ahithophel said to Absalom, Here's what I suggest. Choose 12,000 men and start out tonight and go after David. Attack him while he's tired and weak. Fill him with terror, and then all the people with him will run away. Don't strike down anyone except the king. Bring all the other people back. After the man you want to kill is dead, everyone else will run to you and none of the people will be harmed. Ahithophel's plan seemed good to Absalom, and it also seemed good to the, all the elders of Israel. But Absalom said, Send for Hushai the archite, and then we can find out what he suggests as well. Hushai came to him, and Absalom said, Ahithophel has given us his advice. Should we do what he says? And if we shouldn't, tell us what you would do. Hushai replied to Absalom, The advice of Ahithophel is not good this time. You know your father and his men. They're fighters. They are as strong as a wild bear whose cubs have been stolen from her. Beside, your father really knows how to fight. 
He won't spend the night with his troops. In fact, he's probably hiding in a cave or some other place right now. Suppose he attacks your troops first. When people hear about it, they'll say, Many of the troops who followed Absalom have been killed, and then the hearts of your soldiers will melt away in fear. Even those as brave as lions will be terrified. That's because everyone in Israel knows that your father is a fighter, and they know that those with him are brave. So here's what I suggest. Bring together all the men of Israel, from the town of Dan all the way to Beersheba. They are as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. You yourself should lead them into battle, and then we'll attack David no matter where we find him. As dew completely covers the ground, we'll completely overpower his entire army. We won't leave him or any of his men alive. He might try to get away by going into a city, and if he does, all of us will bring ropes to that city. We'll drag the whole city down into the valley. Not even a pebble of that city will be left. Absalom and all the men of Israel agreed. They said, The advice of Hushai the Archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. The Lord had decided that Ahithophel's good advice would fail, and the Lord wanted to bring horrible trouble on Absalom. Hushai spoke to Zadok and Abiathar the priests, and he said, Ahithophel has given advice to Absalom and the elders of Israel. He suggested that they should do one thing, but I suggested something else. Send a message right away. Tell David, don't spend the night in the desert at the place where the people cross the Jordan River. Make sure you go on a cross, because if you don't, all the people will be swallowed up. Jonathan and Ahamas were staying at Enrogel, just outside Jerusalem. They knew that they would be in danger if anyone saw them entering the city. A female servant was supposed to go and tell them what had happened. Then they were supposed to go and tell King David. But a young man saw Jonathan and Nahamaz and told Absalom about it. So the two men left right away. They went to the house of a man in Baharim. He had a well in his courtyard. They climbed down into it. The man's wife got a covering and spread it out over the opening of the well. And then she scattered grain on the covering, so no one knew that the men were hiding in the well. Absalom's men came to the house and they asked the woman, Where are Ahamaz and Jonathan? She answered, well, uh, they went across the brook. So when the men looked around, they didn't find anyone, so they returned to Jerusalem. After they had gone, Jonathan and Ahamaz climbed out of the well, and they went to tell King David what they had found out. They said to him, Go across the river right away. Ahithophel has told Absalom how to come after you and strike you down. So David and all the people with him started out. They went across the Jordan River. By sunrise, everyone had crossed over. David went to Mahanaim. Absalom went across the Jordan River with all the men of Israel. Absalom had made Amasa, one of his relatives, commander of the army, in place of Joab. Many people, even David's former enemies, helped David and his people while they were in the desert. David sent out troops in military groups. One group was under the command of Joab, and another was under Joab's brother Abishai, the son of Zeruiah. The last one was under Ittai, the Gittite. The king told the troops, You can be sure that I myself will march out with you. But the men said, You must not march out. If we are forced to run away, our enemies won't care about us. Even if half of us die, they won't care. But you are worth 10,000 of us. So it would be better if you stay here in the city. Then you can send us help if we need it. The king said, I'll do what you think is best. So the king stood beside the city gate. His whole army marched out in groups of hundreds and groups of thousands. The king gave an order to Joab, Abishai, and Atai. He commanded them, Be gentle 
with the young man, Absalom. Do it for me. All the troops heard the king give the commanders that order about Absalom. David's army marched out of the city to fight against Israel. The battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There David's men won the battle over Israel's army. A huge number of men were wounded or killed that day. The fighting spread out over the whole countryside, but more men were killed in the forest that day than out in the open. Absalom happened to come across some of David's men, and he was riding his mule. The mule went under the thick branches of a large oak tree, and Absalom's hair got caught in the tree. He was left hanging in the air. The mule he was riding on kept going. One of David's men saw what had happened, and he told Joab, I I just saw Absalom hanging in the oak tree. And Joab said to the man, What? You saw him? Why didn't you strike him down right there? Then I would have had to give you four ounces of silver and a soldier's belt as a reward. But the man replied, I wouldn't do anything to hurt the king's son. I wouldn't do it even for twenty-five pounds of silver. We heard the king's command to you and Abishai and Atai. He said, Be careful not to hurt the young man Absalom. Do it for me. Suppose I had put my life in danger by killing him. The king would have found out about it. Nothing is hidden from him, and you wouldn't have stood up for me. Joab said, I'm not going to waste my time on you anymore. So he got three javelins, and then he went over and he killed Absalom. He did it while Absalom was still hanging there, alive, in the oak tree. Then Joab blew his trumpet, and he ordered his troops to stop chasing Israel's army. Joab's men threw Absalom into a big pit in the forest, and they covered him with a large pile of rocks. While all that was going on, all the Israelites ran back to their homes. David was sitting in the area between the inner and outer gates of the city. The man on guard duty went up to the roof over the entrance of the gate, and as he looked out, he saw someone running alone. The guard called out to the king and reported it. The king said, If he's alone, he must be bringing good news. Then the man on guard duty saw another runner. He called out to the man guarding the gate, and he said, Look, there's another man. The king said, He must be bringing good news, too. Then Ahimaaz called out to the king, Everything's all right. He bowed down in front of the king and his face towards the ground, and he said, You are my king and master. Give praise to the Lord your God. He has handed over to you those who lifted up their hand to kill you. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahamaz answered, I saw total disorder. I saw it just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me to you, but I don't know what it was all about. The king said, Stand over there and wait. So he stepped over to one side and stood there. The man that was carrying him, the second message arrived. He said, You are my king and master, and I'm bringing you some good news. The Lord has shown you that you are in the right. He has done this by rescuing you today from all those who are trying to kill you. The king asked the man from Cush, Is the young man Absalom safe? The man replied, King David, may your enemies be just like that young man. May all those who rise up to harm you be like him. The king was upset. He went to the room over the entrance of the gate, and he wept. And as he wept, he said, My son Absalom, my son Absalom, my son, I wish I had died instead of you, Absalom, my son, my son. Someone told Joab, The king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. He's filled with sadness because his son has died. The army had won a great battle that day, but their joy turned into sadness. That's because someone had told the troops, The king is filled with sorrow because his son is dead. The men came quietly into the city that day. They were like fighting men who are ashamed because they run from a battle. The king covered his face and he cried loudly, My son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son.
And then Joab went into the king's house. He said to him, Today you have made all of your men feel ashamed. They have just saved your life. They have saved the lives of your sons and daughters, and they have saved the lives of your wives. You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. The commanders and their troops don't mean anything to you. You made that very clear today, and I can see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out there and cheer up your men. If you don't, you won't have any of them left with you by sunset. That will be worse for you than all the troubles that you have had in your whole life. That's what I promise you in the Lord's name. So the king got up, and he took a seat in the entrance of the city gate. His men were told, The king is sitting in the entrance of the gate. Then all of them came and stood in front of him. While all that was going on, the Israelites had run back to their homes. You know, I feel very sad for David when I hear these stories. He wants to be a good king for Israel, but he's unable to keep even his own family from trying to stop him from being king. First, his son with Bathsheba dies, and then his son Amnon is killed, and then his men kill his other son, Absalom. There's a lot to think about in these stories. The first thing to think about is how even though everything looks bad for David, David continues to trust in God. That's a very good way to act. David doesn't worry about his numbers or how many soldiers he has. He even tells people to go back. David doesn't worry about Shimei saying bad things about him, because David knows that he has always acted right towards Saul and his family. Do you ever feel like David? Like things are going badly and they just keep getting worse? David's sad because these things are happening, but he doesn't give up. He trusts that God has things in control and that if he wants to keep him being king, then he'll do just that. In the same way, we can trust God by not trying to be perfect or show others that we're right all the time, but by continuing to be kind, even in tough situations. We can show others how much God loves us through our own attitudes and trust in God. Another thing that was a little frightening about this story is David's general, Joab. By the end of the story, Joab is ordering David around, as though Joab were the king. He won't even let David be sad about his son dying. David helped make Joab this way. David knows that Joab is very powerful and a strong warrior. Several episodes ago, Joab murdered Saul's general, Abner, in revenge. David didn't think that was a good thing to do, but he really didn't do anything about it. As the king, he kept using Joab because he was strong and powerful, even though he does things that are wrong. He even uses Joab to murder Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. So Joab knows all the bad things that King David has done too. Look at how Joab is acting now. Joab and his brother Abishai seem to keep doing anything that they want, and David won't lift a finger to stop them. I think that we do the same thing sometimes. Have you ever done something bad with one of your friends? When you do something that you're not supposed to do with your friend, do you think that they are going to be more likely to do good things or bad things around you in the future? Sometimes we forget how important that the things that we do and say around our friends are in showing who Jesus is. For example, if you do something wrong with a friend, the next time you get an opportunity to do something bad, maybe you will do it again. It's hard to say to a friend that, I know that we did this last time, but we shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. 
and I want to act right with you from now on. Will you forgive me for doing the wrong and help me to act right? Well, next week we're going to hear one of the last stories about David in the book of 2 Samuel. I've had so much fun reading and thinking about these stories with you all. I hope that you can listen and think about them with your family again and again.